we have a responsibility to get the work to the streets. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Highways, um, movement of goods, these are things that we rely on every day. Got to have the ability to get their product to market. As long as you're performing, we want to be behind you pushing. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Digital Media Manager Paul Catul, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Will Kraft. He handles government and constituent affairs at MDOT, and uh, we have the podcast on the road once again. Uh, we are actually out of state for the first time. We're in Louisiana. We are with... Uh, Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation Development, Dr. Sean Wilson. Uh, we really appreci- appreciate it, Dr. Wilson, you hosting us here at, uh, at uh, your agency. Um, and just a little bit of information about Dr. Wilson. He was appointed by uh, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards in January of 2016, and he's uh, now serving in his second term as secretary. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of information about you, but can you kind of tell us how, um, tell us about your background and how it led to you being head of the agency here? Well. Um, I would tell you, Paul, it was purely accidental, okay. uh, which is, now I, I say that, but, um, you know, my, my background has been in uh, urban and regional planning and uh, working in college at the planning commission, uh, I learned that I did not want to go to public meetings. Uh, and uh, so I got into government and ended up doing public meetings. And that was in the world of uh, nonprofits. In part, it was with what was called Louisiana Surf Commission. And we actually had a partnership with the Foundation for the Mid-South, which was Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. And we worked in the Delta with some Kellogg funding, uh, working in that East Carroll, Issaquina County uh, in the Delta. And it was a really neat uh, effort. And it was also tied to national service. So it may be AmeriCorps, Learning Serve America, America's Promise, other types of activities. That was in the office of Lieutenant Governor. Uh, who decided to run for governor, and she became our first female governor, uh, Kathleen Babineau Blanco. And having worked on her campaign and transitioned uh, a couple of departments, one being transportation, I transitioned wildlife and fisheries and natural resources, which is basically managing the selection process for the secretary for those different departments. And then I went into her office as the deputy legislative director. I also had the responsibility of having transportation policy for the department, uh, for the governor and for the department. And and at that time, I worked with Dr. Cam Obasagi, who was with us for a few months uh, into the administration. And Katrina happened. uh, And right as Katrina was happening, right before that, I had moved out of legislative affairs and began moving into the Department of Transportation as the uh, chief of staff, if you will, for then Secretary Johnny Bradbury. And that's where I got introduced to AASHTO, got introduced to Transportation Research Board in a big way. And I've been at the department ever since. So when I became secretary, I had over 15 years of experience uh, in the executive office, always in the chief of staff role. And I had the privilege of working for Governor Blanco with Johnny Bradbury. And then Governor Jindal was elected, different party, uh, which was very unique and rare. But uh, I stayed on and worked with Secretary Ankner and then Sherry LeBas and Governor John Bell Edwards, who actually grew up not too far from the state line uh, in Amite, Louisiana, um, was the state legislator, and we got to work together uh, on different projects. Um, I provided some advice and guidance from a policy perspective during this campaign, and he asked me to stay on as secretary. 
And through that process, uh, I'd gone back to school at some point and got a master's in public administration and a wow. PhD in public policy. And as I said, it was by accident that I got to be secretary. I don't know very many people who plan to be secretary or strategically take steps to be secretary. Um, same thing with being actual president. It just happens that way sometimes. And so I've been blessed and fortunate to uh, be given this opportunity. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of roles that contributed to get to where you are here. Uh, one thing very much different, well, at least a little bit, just even from the name standpoint. So you guys have the, the development <laughs> portion. That's right. So the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. Yeah. How does that kind of fit in? Great question, uh, because we are unique in that we're the only Department of Transportation and Development. And uh, if you pay attention to this nice little timeline through the years, yeah. we celebrated our centennial anniversary last year, 100 years. Wow. And prior to, I want to say, the Constitutional Convention, uh, I want to say in 1974, um, we had a Department of Highways. And because the Constitution limited the number of agencies that you can have in the state, uh, there was a consolidation of a lot of those agencies. I mean, we had gone from like 60-plus departments down to 13 or 12 different agencies. To make the Department of Transportation and Development, we took the Department of Highways and the Department of Public Works. And in Public Works, you had dams, waterways, uh, ports, uh, railroads, some of those other types of big utilities that really comprise our multimodal transportation sure. system, except for highways, and they consolidated those two. And so we became the Department of Transportation and Development. Now, when you look at government, you see how we might have departments of commerce or departments of economic development. Before there was a Department of Economic Development, most of the economic prosperity that states saw was around the river, it was around railroads, it was around interstate systems, it was around natural resources. And so that's how we got to be the Department of Transportation and Development. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a neat story and it gives us some responsibilities that our neighboring states might or might not have. So not every state DOT is gonna have aviation, not every state DOT is gonna have ports or rail or maritime uh, pipelines. Um, so all of that sits under us at the department, not necessarily in terms of an ownership perspective. While we do own an airport and have other types of assets uh, from a water-based perspective, the idea that we have management and strategic responsibility for those on behalf of the state is what's cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's truly fascinating to kind of see the difference, differences in the DOTs uh, you know, from state to state. Uh, we're going to get in hurricanes, controversial in a little bit, but just kind of generally, um, how does Louisiana DOTD and M and uh, MDOT, the state of Mississippi and Louisiana, from a transportation infrastructure standpoint, kind of work together? Any shared responsibilities? Oh, huge, yeah. So, um, you know, when you think about our interstate system that Eisenhower created, he really wanted to network our country. And, and the ribbons that we have that connect our states is really the interstate system. But before that, you had U.S. highways. Um, and those networks really transition from one state to the next all across our states and region. And we've got partnerships uh, with Texas, Arkansas, um, and Mississippi, and that has become much more critical in our success in part because of disaster response. Now, we'll come back and talk about that, but when you look at the basic footprint of infrastructure, you can look at every crossing on the river connecting our two states. We actually share responsibilities for bridges. 
that will move commerce, that will move citizens for health care, for education, for work, particularly in some of those rural areas where you might go into Mississippi two or three times a day. Here in Baton Rouge, I'm not going to make it to Mississippi as often, but there are parts of Louisiana where everyday life for Mississippians or Louisianians is going to be across the state line. So we share responsibilities, uh, for example, on I-20 uh, or in Vicksburg, uh, where we might maintain the maintenance responsibilities, the inspection responsibilities for bridges compared to the actual construction of some bridges. And then we flip-flop. There might be a different exchange. And then you have other things like evacuation. Um, it brings to mind you know, what we call the string of pearls, really, on, on Highway 90, uh, where we've got some bridges that are really out of shape. The vast majority of them are in Louisiana. But it actually impacts residents of Burlington. Sure. And so we have that shared responsibility. The world of communications um, has really changed. The digital media piece that you work on has really changed how we manage traffic and how we manage expectations. And so it's not uncommon for Rodney or our communications people to work with your folks around uh, road closures, disasters, emergency response, uh, detours, so that we can communicate not just to the trucking community, but people who unfortunately have these little square things in their cars with them. It will tell them what they need to know to be more effective and more efficient. So if you look at a map, you're going to see some shared responsibility, um, not just in terms of disaster, but in everyday life. And so that's one of the key ways that we manage and work on those relationships on a regular basis. There are also things like managing the, the, the waterways that we have. Um, when you see uh, cleanups happening on the Pearl, all of that impacts both sides of what we get. Um, and then there's the disaster response, which you cannot uh, underestimate. It's probably a growing role for CEOs and departments of transportation, uh, given the ESF function of engineering and evacuation, uh, to the point where when there's a hurricane, everyone on the Gulf Coast is impacted, uh, from Florida to Texas. And folks are suggested to go north, but they don't always do that. They take the east-west route because of what the destinations might be, whether I'm going to leave uh, Louisiana and go to Biloxi, or if I'm going to go to Florida, or if I'm going to go to Houston, that's probably a little easier for folks south of I-10. And so we do coordinate quite a bit on ContraFlow uh, and planning for the worst case scenario. I'd rather plan for something and not need it than need it and not have planned for it. That's exactly right. Well, no just to go a little further on there, kind of walk us through like what happens when you know a major storm hits. You know, when do you make that determination? We need to evacuate and. How does the public receive that well, message? Well, Brad and I join hands and pray that it goes to <laughs> east right. or west of either of our states. <laughs> go to Alabama, go to Texas. No. So what happens is, you know, we have a, a structured process that occurs in advance of hurricane season where our teams get together uh, with law enforcement and talk about the process. We talk about the structure of what happens in ContraFlow because it's not something that can just happen instantly. And so I think it's H96 is the hour that we actually make a decision of whether or not we're going to go into ContraFlow. And I can take you back to probably a year ago in October, uh, maybe not even October. It may have been in, in September. Uh, yeah, it was probably in September that we had, a, had an event. Down. And, you know, I was out of state, and we had this thing called rapid intensification where what was going to be a hurricane one in 24 hours got to be a hurricane category three and all of a sudden the you know what hit the you know what mm -hmm. sure. well it was too late for us to actually effectively implement contraflow given 
ways we evacuate, the staging areas of where folks had to come from. And a part of that process means reaching out to your CEO and, and, and myself having a conversation. We engage our counterparts from state police or highway patrol. And then it actually rolls up to the governor's office to make that decision okay. because the, the impact of contraflow is significant. One, because when you get into contraflow, as you well know, you're predetermining where you end up depending on how you get on the highway. And then you're going to go into another state before you get converted back to uh, the same lane of traffic. And so for those who may not be familiar with it, we actually take a four-lane interstate that's two lanes in each direction and bring them all out at a certain point. But that requires a tremendous amount of coordination uh, to do it safely, everything from locking off certain on-ramps, ensuring that there are no vehicles coming. But more importantly, buses and movement of people in mass numbers has been extremely important that you have to get those buses in and get them out by a certain time. And that, I think, is a challenge uh, that we will always have with ContraFlow, but it's really based in communications uh, and how well we can work together to address those issues. Gotcha, gotcha. And we both, Louisiana, Mississippi, both hope it's a very mild or non-existent hurricane season for sure. Uh, We asked this to most of our guests on podcasts, and this is great to ask you as a CEO of uh, DOT. uh, Why is it important for the state of Louisiana, any state, to have a robust, safe, efficient transportation network? You know, it it, it boils down to quality of life. And and down here in the South, um, we enjoy things from football to tailgating to hunting and fishing and just being a part of a community. And our transportation system is one that is so fundamental to everything we do everything that we consume, every place we go. Um, In most cases, every business we patronize has some value or some contribution being made from the transportation system. And it's important for us to grow that. Not only is it the things that we consume, it's the raw materials. And so for Mississippi, Mississippi and Louisiana, we're relatively rural states that have a huge rural economy that is going to export a lot of goods that we grow, that we extract, that we might create in that process. And so you've got to have a robust system to be able to accommodate that. I mean, whether it's wood chips or soybeans or cotton or corn, timber, it's got to go somewhere. And it's going to go on a truck. It's going to go on the train. It's going to go on the ship or a barge. It's going to go in the pipeline if you think about the oil and gas industry. And so um, investing in that system does two things. One, it ensures a safe and uh, effective quality of life, but it also grows an economy such that we can create jobs and have the kind of lifestyle uh, that our states desire. I know there's probably some unique challenges being right here in Baton Rouge with the university. Uh, you know, yeah. what, that population shift, I'm sure game day it triples or something. Oh, it's it's a double whammy here because we have Southern and LSU, and for the first time they're playing each other for the opening season. So oh, wow. uh, I think traffic is going to be a little light because we're accustomed to having both of their games with visiting teams. Uh, at both universities simultaneously. This way we've got two teams, so we're going to lose half of our traffic. It should be an easy day. But, you know, the, the, the reality is, um, yeah, that's part of that quality of life. And people will start tailgating on Thursday afternoon for Saturday game. <laughs> you got to love the fan base. And, and that's just what we do in Louisiana and, and in Mississippi and the southeastern oh, yeah. part of the country, quite frankly. The biggest challenge, and, and I would suggest that every state is dealing with this, is that we have not kept up with the maintenance of our systems and we have grown our systems so much. 
and to the point where um, we can't always keep up. And I have a saying at my house, it doesn't work with, with me, but I tell my kids, you can't keep up if you can't catch up, and you can't catch up if you can't keep up. That's kind of where a lot of states are with transportation systems and the things that we see, whether it's safety, whether it's congestion, whether it's state of good repair, um, those are real issues for us. And it happens in urban areas as well as rural areas. I can show you bridges that we've closed that are essential for 10 trucks a day. And that's going to be 10 trucks that's going to move big loads of timber or wood chips. And that's jobs. That's the lifeline for those 10 people at that mill. If that bridge closes, there goes those 10 trees. And those 10 trees will have a ripple effect somewhere else. And so, yeah, we are very cognizant of the system that we've inherited and trying to maintain it. And uh, fortunately, with the infrastructure bill, we're going to spend some money to try and uh, make it better. No doubt, no doubt. And I've got one more thing for you, and we'll end with a fun question. But sure. look, the Mississippians make the trip to Louisiana all the time. I made it for the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I'm coming back when Ole Miss plays LSU in the fall, you know, Saints games, everything. So what's the best way for Mississippians to kind of get travel and traffic information sure, over, over great here? great question. Uh, if you're wearing an LSU or Saints shirt, you get priority. Uh, no. no, just kidding. Um, so if you go to 511LA.org, it is probably the best place to um, understand and appreciate what we're doing, what impacts you're going to have on the road, how it's going to affect your travel. Um, and then I will also tell you, if you come into a special event, because New Orleans is such a unique place that we have culture, we have sports, we have all of these entertainment venues – come early to make sure that you get a chance to not get stuck in traffic. Um, one of the things that we work well together is managing that traffic information. So dynamic message boards that'll be in Mississippi or in Louisiana will provide that kind of information. Um, use your digital apps safely. Uh, but yeah, follow I-10, come on down to New Orleans and have a good time. And as we say, laissez le bon temps rouler. Oh, we will. We will. Yeah. And kind of the, 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 the cherry on top, this is one of the questions we love to ask every podcast. Um, as you might expect, we are all Southerners and like to eat. Absolutely. Uh, so we're looking, you know, we had a great experience at Torchy's uh, earlier before we came here. Had some great tacos. <laughs> Do you have a local favorite spot that you love Ooh. to check out? Or even maybe one in Mississippi well, when you get the chance. So I will tell you the one spot where we actually hold our meetings is uh, Mittendorf's. That's where the two states get together and have it's the home of thin fried fish. Uh, it's fresh, and you can get some really good alligator. I've caught some out there, yeah. oh, okay. uh, which is really cool. But here in Baton Rouge, you know, there's everything from good Italian at Julio's to um, you go go to Drago's and get some of the char-grilled oysters. Uh, po' boy Lloyd's is a no-brainer. You can get uh, a deer sausage po' boy there, and you can get uh, red beans and rice on Monday. Um, and you can go to, to Little Village and get some of the best bread there is. If you're on a low-carb diet, that's probably not the place for you, but it's very good. There are not many places you can get a bad meal here. Yeah, Same is. thing in Mississippi. Now, I'm looking forward to, to going to Biloxi for Sashto. Uh, right. We're going to have a great time there, as we always have. Yes. And uh, you all have had some really good leaders, both in terms of Melinda and, and Butch, and I'm excited to be working with uh, Brad. So we're excited to, to be coming to Mississippi. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Dr. Wilson, this has been a fascinating uh, conversation, and we Thank really appreciate it. This you. has been great. Well, thank you so much for hosting us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, definitely, I will be back in Louisiana for sure. We'll go. <laughs> we'll see you we'll at we'll, a football game. <laughs> for sure. We'll go ahead and wrap things up now. So we want to thank all our listeners out there for tuning in to the Extra Mile podcast. We also want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, our editor, Drew Hall. They, of course, are here on the road with us today. Remember, you can listen and watch each episode by visiting goem.com forward slash the extra mile. 
And be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. We have everything. Mississippi DOT, at Mississippi DOT is the handle. And uh, as always, remember to try smart out there on Mississippi highways and uh, Louisiana highways as well. 